We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 USFL DraftKings Picks, full preview of the game and the league itself. This is the thing that is starting on Saturday, so now that we have tools available to us, now that we have salaries available on DraftKings, odds to bet on this, it's time to learn something about the USFL. Does Pat Mayo know much about the USFL? Absolutely not. No, I do not. So I had to get the people on the ground and the people who've been doing the research for this to come in and tell me. Reminder to everyone out there right now to go to runthesims.com and get the USFL package. It's 99 bucks for the entire season. Use code Mayo or slash Mayo at the end. You get 10% off. And I think it's going to be pretty helpful when we go into this. Cody Main from Establish the Run is joining me on the line, as is Justin Freeman of Run the Sims, who's in Alabama at the USFL training facility right now. Boots on the ground. Justin, what have you learned? Yeah, we've been uh, bouncing around. I've been using my kid as an excuse to spark up conversations with different USFL players and uh, just trying to pick their brain about what they expect to have uh, happen their team we're getting some uh we're getting some peeps behind the scenes of some of these practices as well so it's uh it's been a lot of fun honestly getting to uh uber my way around birmingham because uh the, the way they're set up here all eight teams are essentially bubbled here like covid nba style but uh not obviously for those same reasons it's really just for logistics reasons all eight teams located right here in Birmingham every single game of the season will be played here at either uh, um, protective stadium or Legion field here in Birmingham so if you're going to want to see any USFL live you're going to have to come to Alabama like I did and so uh, we're here and we're having a lot of fun uh, learning our way around this uh, group here but uh, all the teams staying at one hotel so it makes it really convenient to bump into players and uh, pick their brain a little bit. 
So, Cody, obviously, when it comes to these sports, it's like when you and I spoke in the preseason about the NFL, that just having knowledge of the depth chart is such a huge advantage for something like this. How have you been able to discover what's going on through your team previews? Yeah, and what Justin is doing is a phenomenal use of his time, and it seems like he's getting really good information. So I'm I'm a little jealous that I'm still stuck in mom's basement down here recording with you while Justin is is in Alabama getting the real alpha. But you know, basically where you start is you look at the depth charts, and I think you kind of have to start with this league being brand new with draft capital. And I think that's a, a starting point initially, but before we have real information on these guys, just looking at where they were drafted. Theoretically, if a guy was drafted higher than somebody else in his same position group, he's going to have an, a leg up on playing time and therefore a leg up on opportunities. And then from there, you just kind of have to look at how they've performed at previous iterations of football. A lot of these guys played in the AAF. A lot of these guys played in the XFL. Of course, they all played in college. Were they productive there? Did, did, were they able to earn targets on their teams there? Did they have a high percentage of the team's rushing share at those previous levels so once you start to kind of parse through that information you can start to see which guys may separate in terms of their ability to earn targets Uh, obviously the stuff that Justin's doing actually talking to players viewing practices it's going to be helpful in understanding uh, which guys will be on the field come week one and then from there you know hopefully we're making small mistakes without the data at our hands make small mistakes in week one do the best we can to survive and advance to week two. And then when we get into week two and beyond, we should have some actual data to work with and understand which guys are actually going to be the target getters and the, the guys that get the carries on their team. So, Justin, when this happened last time and the US, or the XFL started, sorry, you cleaned up at this kind of thing. What is it about these niche-type sports where computer optimization, which is going to be we're going to have at Run the Sims, why is that so important for something like this? Is it because it takes the idea that, hey, everyone just kind of, like with the NFL, I know who the quarterback is, I know who he throws to, I know who the running back is, I know how to stack this all together. Not that I do it all that well but at least i have that idea it seems like 98 percent of people are going to be blind to playing this but they're going to be playing it and in week one there's a hundred thousand dollars up top on DraftKings. i couldn't believe it i know cody and i were both both probably doing happy dances as soon as that 100k gpp got posted we were a little nervous because it does seem like the usfl is lagging just a little bit in terms of excitement behind the xfl but boom right away week one 100k up top so go ahead and build that thing so we can get it again next week but to answer your question um the reason you can find success in some of these niche sports is it's like truly a working man's game right like uh you get to go in and uh, really sort of outwork your opponent in terms of like scraping news and um driving to alabama whatever the situation might be like but i mean even with xfl you know the teams weren't producing depth charts or at least if they were they were not reliable um you know you're kind of going by who saw what who talked to who who seemed to be gimpy in practice like um you know there's a bunch of uh you know ways to sort of grind out this information and so you know by having that really good information into a system like the uh simulator at run the sims you get a real sense of like uh, what a player's true range of outcomes are. And, you know, one thing I'm noticing here is uh, it's really tough to be able to sort of pencil in exactly who the sort of, you know, in the NFL, you would say the starting three receivers for the Cowboys, you know, last year were Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb. You know, you could say that pretty definitively because um, the rosters are pretty big and those guys played all the snaps. Here, the rosters are so thin 
like yesterday, I'm checking out Michigan Panthers, and they really only have like four legitimate wide receivers even on the team. So all the guys are going to play. Um, and so it's just kind of unique to think about what does that mean if the guys are rotating? Is it is it even possible for one guy to really sort of separate? Um, so it, it kind of helps you bring those expectations back down to earth a little bit. So one of the problems that we encountered, Justin, at Run the Sims was this new roster style for DraftKings. It is not set up like the NFL. And Cody, we get one quarterback, one running back, two of wide receiver slash tight end, two flexes, and a defense. So I know that both you guys have likely been racking your brains trying to figure out the optimal way to build your lineups. Cody, have you come up with anything yet? Yeah, this is fantastic news for DFS players and for people that are, you know, grinding out these niche leagues like we did with the XFL. This is the same format that DraftKings rolled out for the XFL. So we do have a little bit of data to work with uh, on that front. And I've been told that this is the same format for CFL or was the same format for CFL. So if you look back, basically what you'll find using the small sample of XFL data that we have is tight ends are not well represented in winning lineups and running backs in those flex spots are not well represented in winning lineups. And I think this is something we'll see starting with week one. A lot of these backfields are going to be backfield by committee for whatever reason, mostly because I think the talent level is pretty similar between all of the backs, but also because you, you can't run a, one of your running backs out there for 90% of the team's carries and risk injury and then not have anybody to back them up. These, these depth charts, as Justin mentioned, are really thin. You don't have a whole lot of bodies if, if somebody goes down, so you can't risk that type of injury. And then a lot of these coaches just lean on committees naturally. So I think that that's the biggest takeaway is in those flex and wide receiver slash tight end spots, you're going to be heavily using wide receivers. You're going to end up taking some bad scores, but that's where the ceiling is going to be. And if you're trying to take down this, you know, 100K to first big G GPP on DraftKings, you're going to want to have heavy exposure to those wide receivers that have those high ranges of outcomes. I haven't seen any of the simulations yet. I don't even know if you've run them yet. Justin, but the optimizer will be available hopefully Tuesday evening or Friday morning at Run the Sims with all the players, all the pricing, and all of the projections put in there. So once again, runthesims.com slash mayo to go get your hands on that. Plus there's showdown on DraftKings for these games. We have a showdown simulator. We have player prop tools. Do you think that um, Cody's onto something here that when we look at the flex spots that mainly the Sims are going to tell us that wide receivers are the key? Yeah, it should. Um, you know, obviously the, the running backs, you know, Sims tend to like running backs because, um, you, you know, those are the guys that have the most stable projected volume. Um, the receivers are always going to be a little hit or miss. But, you know, I think Cody's exactly right that the receivers should be a really heavy part of your roster. You know, in this particular format, you have the opportunity to play up to four receivers. And so that would be, you know, two people in your wide receiver spot and then two others in the flex spot and uh you know you kind of want to utilize a little bit of game theory here and I, I think the theory is is to essentially say some of these teams are just going to be massively better than other teams you know we saw that in the xfl um with the with, with houston the houston roughnecks and and to a certain extent later on with the st louis battlehawks but these guys were just putting up such massive scores compared to the rest of the teams in the league that you really wanted to just go ahead and invest heavily in those teams. So go ahead and throw four roster spots. Don't be afraid of that. Throw four roster spots on whichever team you're uh, pairing with your quarterback. So, you know, I think a good way to do that is like if you were uh, going to play the Philadelphia Stars uh, as a stack, and that's a team that I'm certainly interested in targeting this week. Uh, Brian Scott's the starting quarterback. 
uh, Jordan Sewell, a really good-looking wide receiver, um, and then mixing it up there uh, with some of the other players in the offense. You're really just looking for that one team that's this year's uh, Roughnecks that comes in and, and just sort of separates themselves from the field. Cody, what do we know about these guys from their previous performances in college or in the XFL or the whatever the hell the other one was on CBS AAFL? Like, are there certain guys like Jordan Tumau or whatever the hell his name is? He's playing here. He's really good, isn't he? Yeah, that, as, as Justin alluded to, some of these quarterbacks and some of these teams in general are going to separate from the field as we get into, you know, looking at coaching staffs. And if you've read the team by team previews, uh, looked at the depth charts, you're going to notice that some of these teams and some of these coaching staffs are going to be extremely run heavy. Shout out to establish the run. <laughs> but we will have some of these teams, Brian Scott and the Philadelphia Stars being one of them, uh, Jordan Tiamu and the Tampa Bay Bandits being another and then uh, the New Orleans Breakers with Kyle Sloter that are going to separate I think as pass heavy teams and teams that are also going to be efficient through the air and as Justin alluded to I'm not afraid of stacking up these rosters or stacking up these teams on my DraftKings rosters with three four uh, guys on the same team and just hoping that they're the ones that go out and put up 28 20 you know 28 35 42 points while some of these other teams come in uh, around 14, 21, you know, we've seen low scores in these leagues in the past. So trying to translate their games from previous leagues is is the hardest part, I think, at this point, knowing how the AAF and the XFL in college is going to translate here is difficult. But I think we have a pretty good idea going into week one, which quarterbacks at least will be kind of the top guys in this league. So Philadelphia, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, those are the breakers the stars and the bandits. Oh, this is fun. This is like when the C this is like when the <laughs> CFL expanded into America and you had like the Shreveport Pirates and things like that. So I, I'm a big fan of these names. Is there anything we can tell from the odds so far, Justin? Because I know that's a big part of both simulations, optimizations, play rates, pass rate, everything like that. Most of these games, I assume, opened at either minus three or plus three, two aside. You have the New Jersey Birmingham game. Birmingham's favored by three points at DraftKings Sportsbook. 42 and a half is the over under. And then you have is Mick, is Mick Michigan? Is Michigan a team in this? That's the team. Yeah, the Panthers. Jeff, Jeff right. Fisher's Panthers. Okay, so they're gonna run a ton, I would assume. They're two and a half point favorites against the Houston Gamblers. 43 and a half is the over-under in that game. The New Orleans Breakers are favored by two and a half over the Philadelphia Stars. 44 is the over-under in that game. 44 is the highest. 42 is the lowest. That's the Tampa and Pittsburgh Maulers game, but Tampa's favored by four in that. Like, what can we tell from that? Like, do we think that every game is just going to inevitably end up that you know, 23 to 20 and just hit the middle of all of these? Or are some of these numbers just way off? Yeah, I would say that... Uh these lines have already been hammered uh, really quickly. All these lines opened above 50 for the totals uh, for all four of these games, and they were quickly destroyed. I think FoxBet put it out strictly to New Jersey customers, if I'm not mistaken, and they were the uh, sacrificial lamb. I'm sure they took a beating before they found out that these over-unders need to be closer to the low 40s. Uh, I'm not expecting a ton of uh, dynamic offense from these teams. You're going to be talking about about teams running the most vanilla playbook that you could possibly imagine. They've only been a team existing like post draft for roughly a month at this point. So that's not a lot of time to, you know, establish a really intricate playbook with lots of motion and, uh, you know, different types of trick plays and gadgets and that sort of thing. 
So I think you're going to see it be pretty vanilla to open with. And, you know, truthfully, we don't know how good these teams are. You know, one of the most hilarious lines out there was um, the, uh, was it the bandits line? I think Cody, you correct me if I'm wrong, was uh, that one quickly got flipped. Uh, So I think everybody's trying to figure it out. We'll We'll certainly have a lot more information after week one, but I think everything's pretty close to where it's supposed to be now. Yeah, like, well, is so. Do you think that the this is a uh, Cody? Like, is this a, a good representation of how good these teams are against each other? Or are we going to look at this after the games and be like, oh my god, like, this wasn't even close? I think these lines are a lot better now than where they opened. I think uh, when Fox Bet put out openers, they were all at uh, plus one and a half, minus one and a half. You know, so they they had them pegged pretty evenly. And you know, for anyone that had done their work, knew that there were some teams that were going to separate from the jump. And and this one, the Tampa Bay Bandits uh, versus the Pittsburgh Maulers, was one that stood out pretty bad from the very beginning. I think the Pittsburgh Maulers are probably one of the the bottom barrel teams in this league, and the Tampa Bay Bandits are, uh, I think, the class of the league. So that one now to, to minus four on DraftKings Sportsbook makes a little bit more sense. As far as the totals go, I think there's still a little bit of room uh, on these unders. We saw this with the XFL. The, the, the sportsbooks thought that these teams were going to go out and score points, and some of the offensive rule changes uh, would indicate that. But coach, coaches just aren't maximizing for efficiency in these leagues quite yet. Uh, we're not going to see a whole lot of coaches attempt these two and three point conversions that they've introduced. We certainly won't see many onside kicks uh, or the onside kick alternative where you can uh, attempt to keep possession with a fourth and 12 play from your 33 yard line. I just think it's going to be another grinded out uh, low scoring league, at least from the beginning until we get some continuity. Um, but I think there's still a little bit of room on these unders where they're at, you know, mid 40s right now. So Cody hit on this a little bit earlier, Justin, when it comes to getting a data sample and even running it through the tools, running the simulations, that these are all going to be better, at least versus week one and week three and week four, once we have an idea of the playing time on these teams. Which offenses are good? What style do they like to play? How much do they run the ball? How much do they pass the ball? How much do these like wonky rules really affect the overall scoring of what's going on? The issue is... Have my doubts that DraftKings is going to be offering 100K up to the top every single week. This kind of could be the Super Bowl of what we see in terms of guaranteed prize pools at the very top end. Like next week, it could be 20K at the top. And this is a $12 tournament, $100,000 at the top, and you can max enter it 150. I'm not really a max player, but I was thinking about using the tools at Run the Sims generating 150 lineups and just going YOLO on this. Because I feel like because I have the tools, regardless of how great the projections are versus what they're going to be in three weeks, I still feel like I have a huge edge on the competition if I'm going to do that, if legit people don't know what they're doing. Yeah, and you should feel that way. And uh, for folks who the 150 might be a little overwhelming or intimidating or cost prohibitive, uh, there's some also some really good tournaments out there for uh, – one dollar players or five dollar players so make sure you go check those out but we, we've done everything we can to make the uh user experience as easy as possible so you can get the types of lineups it is that you want so uh you know one really great way to do that is go and generate some stacks and you know play around by you know making sure that you're you know getting at least three or four players from each team and you can do that really easily with our max players per team men max players per team feature um, so there's a lot of really cool ways that you can do that. And then just let the projections do the heavy work. And I will say that they will be a, in a constant state of flux over the next few days. I mean, I'm trying to utilize, you know, what I'm seeing here to influence what we're going to be uh, expecting from projections. 
Um, but yeah, there, there's no reason not to go ahead and uh, I'm emptying the clip myself this week to get the uh, get the players in the lineups that I want. Do you think that's wise, Cody, that you have this giant prize pool? You don't expect it to be there. We know that the projections will be better in two weeks time. But do you just empty the clip at it right now, knowing that even if your numbers aren't great, they're still better than everyone else's. And this is a huge advantage. I'm still undecided at this point. I'm with Justin. I'm ready to, to completely unload the clip on week one. And we saw this happen with the, U- uh, with the XFL. There was a lot of hype going into the XFL. I think they opened with 100K to first in that league as well. And then it quickly dropped after that, after it overlaid in week one. So we, we will likely, if this overlays, probably see 50K in week two. Hopefully we can maintain kind of a 50K to first flagship GPP on DraftKings. I would be pleased with that. I, I think... Uh, if I have a lean at this point, and I haven't registered for any contests yet, I, I think I'm leaning on holding back on a full-blown 150, uh, believe it or not, just because I think we're going to have a, be in much better shape come week two, week three, when we can see these teams. And, and I know maybe that's a bad take. As much work as I put in, I think I've got better projections than than the field is going to be using. And I know Justin's it feels the same, especially being down there and having more information. Um, but it, we just don't know very much at all from a from a league level, from a team level, from a player level. We just don't have very much information to go off of right now. Uh, and completely unloading the clip with with incomplete information is is pretty uh, pretty tough to do. But I will be mixing it up plenty. I just haven't fully committed to the the 150 MME on DraftKings yet. That's where I'm sitting right now. And I'm not usually a 150 max player, but I was thinking like, do I? kind of press my advantage here that I know that I'll have against 95% of the field because I'll have tools, all projections done by a guy who's there like looking over a fence with binoculars, hoping not, to, <laughs> not hoping not to get arrested and trying to talk to people in the lobby using his son as a shield. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we really like, Justin. Like that's the extra 2% here that's going to go into these projections. I mean, Lord knows if they're going to turn out to be good or not. Um, and like Cody said, the more you let them mature, the more information we have, the better they're off they're going to be. So I'm in this like weird in the middle type state. Like, do I want to go 150 and invest two grand into this? I mean, that's way more than I, that's exponentially more than I usually play on a DraftKings slate. But there are times in the past, and even as something as simple, Cody, as a few weeks ago on prize picks, that they were offering this over under on whole, I think it was 16 at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I put four grand into it. I was like, this is a terrible line. The more money I can get down on this, the better. And it just won. Everyone won who ended up playing it. Now, I don't think it's necessarily going to go that way for this. But even if I play 50 lineups, do you think that's a good enough hedge where I'll still have an advantage over the field? Well, yeah, here's what I would. Oh, go ahead, Cody. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think especially if you're mixing it up in that $12 tournament, you know, I don't really want to be going against all these 150 maxers if I'm not 150 maxing myself and having a good player pool, a uh, good representation of the guys that I want to have. So if you're someone that you know just wants to mix it up a few entries, I would suggest some of the other tournaments, maybe some of the single entry tournaments, which there are plenty of this week. Um, but if you're in that range, 50, 75, 100, I think you're still going to get a good player pool, get good exposures and have an opportunity for some of those lineups to filter up the leaderboard. So uh, again, if I'm not 150 maxing, I'll be pre- pretty close. Just trying to decide where the where the right level is for week one. Yeah, Justin, you hit on it. There's a 150 entry mini max that is 50 cents per entry, so you could play into that. Uh, there's obviously the $12 large one with 100k up top. 
Uh, that's going to cost you $12 per entry to get into. But there's a bunch of 20 max as well. There's a $1 20 max. Yeah. There's a $3 20 max. Uh, there's even just a Sunday only. It seems $12 that only has 25k to first, but that seems to be another pretty good tournament as well. So you can kind of pick and choose. But I'm just, like I said, I'm just kind of in the middle right now whether I want to go all in, all out, or like I said, try to knowing like I mean you. you when people count cards in blackjack, I mean, it's not like it's a guaranteed win when you go in, but you know that you finally have an advantage. Let's try to maximize this. Do you feel like that's the case here? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you still want to have smart bankroll management here because there's no guarantee that, uh, you know, whatever the, the chalk among the industry ends up being ends up hitting. And, you know, that's certainly within the realm of possibilities. And uh, while, you know, say like we're working really hard to make our projections, they might win over the long run, but in a single week, you know, anything happens. And so definitely want to be smart and don't play above your head. Um, there's some good stuff out on some of the uh, you know, other sites as well. So, you know, be sure you're checking around and see if you can find something that maybe suits your, your needs a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, finding those 20 max tournaments are a really good way to do it. Uh, Cody, how do you leverage content within the industry for things like this? Because I, I found this in golf and some of the, I mean, golf's a pretty big sport, but it's still a pretty niche community when it comes down to people. There's like three different places where you can go to for information and that's kind of it. And that's what we're seeing right now with the USFL. No one is really taking a huge lead on this outside of Establish the Run, outside of Run the Sims. I saw my, my good pal, shout out to him, happy birthday, Jeff Radcliffe uh, over at FTN. He put out projections for this those are legitimately the only three sources of information that i found on any of this so whatever you write on establish the run how big of an influence do you think that will have on the 150 maxers coming out right now and with only having the three places around where you can go look for stuff that's the tough balancing act especially this week when we don't have information and, and justin's gonna be putting out stuff i know roto grinders also has a product out for projections if ftn has a product people are going to be using those i think going into this week we know that the field is going to try and get access to projections unfortunately those projections might not be very good in week one we don't work there you know our projections are only as good as the inputs that are going into them and the inputs right now are a whole lot of guesswork so I will say this, when, if, if people are using Establish the Run's project, projections and content and Run the Sims projections and content, and you land on a lot of the same guy that ends up being pretty heavily chalk in a week where we know we know very little, then that's one of those places in large field tournaments that I think you could you could pretty easily steer clear of. We could come out of week two looking like complete idiots because all of our projections were wrong. And if the field's going to own some of these guys at really high rates, in the stuff that we put out influences that, then you're going to have to kind of steer clear of that. So it's it's one thing to keep in mind that a lot of the stuff that we will talk about in terms of you know plays being better than one another, it's all going to be pretty even in week one, just because we don't know a whole lot. But what we say is going to influence ownership too. So keep that in mind when you're playing these large field tournaments where you're trying to get you know first out of twenty five thousand entries. We have the showdown simulator, Justin, over at Run the Sims, and that's already up and running right now, so you can go check it. I'm on it, actually, at the moment for the New Jersey at Birmingham game on Saturday night. Um, who are these people, and what do they do, and why should I put them in my lineup? Should I just like a 25% captain's leverage on Alex Magoo? Mr. Magoo, apparently, is the best play on this slate. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a pretty strong play, honestly. Um <laughs> And, you know, maybe in a situation like this, traditional showdown rules may not apply um, because we're, we're, we don't know enough about the players. It'd be more so being directionally accurate on the 
on the who of what you're getting in there. So, yeah, uh, I'm already looking forward to having way too much Alex Magoo, him throwing an early interception, me making a really bad joke about Mr. Magoo can't see. Uh, it, it's all really stacking up already. But, yeah, he looks like the locked-in starter at quarterback for Birmingham. The other quarterback is uh, Jamar Davis-Smith. Uh, I don't believe we'll see any of him, or if it is, like maybe they just do a little goal line package with him. Like we we see that in the NFL. We saw, you know, sort of like Trey Lance was used last year at times where the guy might come in uh, just a little bit towards the goal line uh, for a different type of skill set. At the running back position, looks like Tony Brooks James is going to be the number one running back for the Stallions. And, you know, like Cody, I mean, said, we're a lot of these are simply implied off of, uh, the draft capital that was applied to these guys. In other words, what we're saying there is um, th they just did a brand new draft start to finish of all these players. And, you know, the, the order in which these players were selected kind of gives you a sense of how much the team valued them, at least going into that period. Now, obviously, they've been at these teams for a month. There's an opportunity for guys to separate themselves or climb the depth chart. But, you know, sort of the, the null hypothesis here is that Tony Brooks James should be the starter there. Um, and, and at receiver, really like Victor Bolden Jr. I think Vic Bolden could be um, possibly uh, one of the premier wide receivers in the league this year. Uh, it'll His sort of rising tide lifting all boats will be his wagon being hitched to Alex Magoo and what he can do. But I, I'm pretty uh, positive on Birmingham right this second, I think, compared to uh, a lot of others out there, I think they could be a pretty competent offense. Yeah, I'm looking through the optimal results, Cody, with all of this and just checking out the DraftKings points, and it does lean pretty heavily towards Birmingham with the number one and two players on the slate uh, being Alex Magoo and Tony Brooks-James, the quarterback and the running back from their same team. Then you have Mike Weber on the other side, New Jersey's running back as being the third highest scoring per the projections right now. Obviously, if Justin you know, is looking out there and sees the first team reps and all of a sudden... Uh, who, who's some jabroni we have on this team? C.J. Marable ends up being the starting running back for Birmingham over Tony Brooks-James. Obviously, that will be affected in the projections. But when you're thinking through showdown, I don't even know if you're going to play showdown or thought about showdown for this, but it does seem like with similar rules that we have to NFL that at least we can kind of construct some ideas in our head knowing the strategy going into it that works in the NFL. Do you think that those rules will apply to showdown for USFL, or do we just like, hey, this one team's good, use those? guys <laughs> i think some conventional wisdom can be thrown out the window when we're playing usfl showdown at least early on until we have more information but i do think that some of the conventional rules that we've talked about in the past will still apply you know if, if alex magoo is the best projected play on that slate and i think i would agree with that sentiment um then you're probably going to want to pair him up with one or two pass catchers in the flex right if, if he's your captain and he's going to throw a couple of touchdowns and be the optimal captain. Somebody's going to have to catch those. So, uh, you know, Victor Bolden is a guy that I agree with Justin on. He's he's projected for the highest target share in our stuff on the Birmingham Stallions roster. But maybe someone further down the board catches a touchdown that we don't have projected for nearly as high of a target share. So those are the type of things that we would do in the NFL that I think will also apply here. But when we have these thinned out rosters, when we think a lot of guys are going to end up playing just because of uh, necessity, so we don't get guys running out there and, and, and injured, um, I think you can do some things that are a little bit different than you would for NFL showdown. What do you think, Justin, is going to be the move? Like I'm looking at that 
slate right now, like the fifth highest projected guy in this game is the Birmingham wide receiver Marlon Williams at the moment. He's $400 in showdown. On the main slate on DraftKings, he's $3,000. Like, is it just like these salaries are kind of irrelevant sometimes because they were made without any sort of context of the depth chart? Yeah, exactly. I mean, nobody knows what they're doing, including the people at DraftKings setting pricing here. They're using uh, draft capital uh, to probably set some of these prices as well. You know, Marlon Williams was a guy who I think might actually be a starter in this offense, despite not being heavily drafted. So, like, as you're making teams, and usually, like, for NFL slate, it feels so uncomfortable to leave more than, say, a 1000 bucks on the table. <laughs> Here, I'll have lineups that might leave $10,000 on the table. I mean, it's just going to be absolutely absurd. It's not going to be a matter of fitting in all the best, you know, high-salary guys just under the wire. It's a great opportunity to get unique. Um, however, the, the slate here is pretty small, honestly. Uh, so you're not competing against 300,000 people like you are for a Monday night football game. Uh, you know, opening night showdown is, uh, is pretty slim pickings. It is, but it still has $2,000 to the top in the $10 tournament, if that's the way that you wanted to go about it. That seems to be the biggest contest that they're offering at this time. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, the late Sunday night when Pat actually has, uh, I think, was it 10, 10K to, to first, if I'm not mistaken? Let's see here. Total prizes. Yeah, 10, yeah. They're $10,000 to first place, only 3,500 entries. I would assume that's the one. Do you think we'll have a bit more context of what happens in this league by that time? Or do you think that three games happening before it is just kind of like, yeah, those could have been whatever. It has no context on this. Or do you think that we can learn something from how the weird rules play out, how these teams look, the types of playbooks that they might be running with, whether they're vanilla or maybe they're secretly more advanced than we think? I think there will be... Go ahead, Justin. Okay. If you're paying attention, yeah, I think so. Go ahead. I think it, yeah, exactly. Like if, if, if all of these games are playing at different times, so we're going to have a full, you know, three game sample by the end of, uh, by the end of Sunday's slate to kind of take away our teams using this onside kick rule, our teams going for two and three. Can we apply anything there? And then what do the offenses, what do the offensive playbooks look like? Justin thinks it's going to be pretty vanilla. I think it's going to be pretty vanilla. Maybe they come out and start doing some wild stuff from the jump. But, you know, three-game sample, these these offenses are obviously very different than the ones that we'll see before them. Uh, but I think we'll have kind of just a general sense of the way the league's going to play out uh, by, by the end of Sunday. Ad break. Let me tell you a little bit about movement. That's MVMT if you're going to go searching for it. But my wife and I were shocked when we got our movement item. She got a watch that... It's like a $500 watch. Did not cost $500, but looks immaculate. I got myself a nice pair of sunglasses with the summer months coming up, even the end of spring. It starts getting sunny out. I don't like too much brightness when I'm driving, playing golf, whatever, and they are super sharp. Could not be happier with my experience at MVMT. Again, that's called movement when you say it all out. And movement watches have the look and quality of a $400 to $500 watch you're going to pay for at a department store, but cost a fraction of the price because they were built online and own the process from start to finish. So the movement company is doing great work cutting up the middleman and helping you get a better price for high quality items. So I want you guys to get in on this too. Not only do they have cheaper prices, I got you a discount. So if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the MVMT and get 
15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash mayo. Again, that's mvmt.com slash mayo. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without the added security, you may as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, or your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can go use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to IPVanish.com slash Mayo and use promo code Mayo and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash Mayo. Our next partner is a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I needed something in the morning that was filling, good for me, low in calories, and really kept my bloating, you know, because I go on camera all the time, under wraps. Then I started having bad gut health after I stopped using it, so I was like, I need to start taking my Athletic Greens again. Then, boom, all of a sudden, started feeling a whole lot better. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So let's try to hammer down on what teams we expect to do what well and do what poorly. I think you kind of hit on this, that Philadelphia, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans, Cody, we think are going to be some of the pass heavier or at least pass efficient teams out there. Yeah, I think we're in, you know, there's pretty much a consensus at this point going into week one that those are the three teams to be targeting, uh, at least among people kind of in our in our bubble. The, the Bandits, the Stars, and the Breakers. And those are the three teams that we have with the highest pass rate in our projections and also project to be the most efficient as well. So high yards per attempt, high touchdown rate. So these are the teams that I think that we should be targeting and hopefully the field doesn't catch on too much. But I think these are the teams that we should be targeting uh, going into Saturday slate. 
And Justin, that reflects the overall odds at DraftKings Sportsbook in terms of futures. Tampa Bay is the favorite to win this championship at plus 425. The Breakers of New Orleans are 5-1. to one. Philadelphia is 6-1. to one. But the Michigan Panthers are plus 450. What do we expect them to do on offense? Are they going to be like a super run-heavy team? Uh, no, I don't necessarily think so. Um, I think all these teams will try to uh, hashtag establish it uh, pretty early just to take some pressure off the offensive line and the quarterback so that the passing game can succeed. I mean, but it's it's tough. I mean, we've seen these leagues in the past, and it's tough to get the ground game going. Um, but, I mean, that's something you just kind of have to at least make a uh, notable attempt at or else your quarterback will get smoked all game long. Uh, but I think Michigan is, you know, I, I see it sort of as, as three tiers here where Michigan and Birmingham are kind of in this middle tier. And, you know, the teams that you're probably wanting to avoid are the New Jersey Generals, uh, the Pittsburgh Maulers, and the Houston Gamblers. Those three teams I just have no confidence in whatsoever. So, I mean, as I'm thinking about how to construct lineups and, you know, it, especially as I'm thinking about 150 sets, I'm thinking about those other five teams. But Michigan, I think, uh, might be slept on a little bit. You know, Shea Patterson, obviously the first overall pick in this draft. So he's kind of the he's the reason that their odds are inflated right this second. And so there's a lot of faith there that he can get that team going. They've got a pretty talented receiving core with Lance Lenore and Jeff Bidette, a couple guys who we've uh, heard in NFL and XFL circles over the past couple of years. Bidette's like the the wheels guy, like a sub 4-3-40 kind of guy. Lance Lenore, you may remember that name vaguely from his time on the Cowboys. So he's got weapons. Uh, and, and I mean, like say what you will about Jeff Fisher. He's probably the best coach in the league. I mean, the guy's got legitimate NFL experience. Um, so I, I'm maybe a little higher on the Panthers than most. What do you make of it here, Cody with, you said like Pittsburgh, you just project to be bad on paper. They don't look good. The, the, the frustrating thing about Pittsburgh is I like Kyle Lauletta and maybe Justin has some inside takes having met him in person now, but I actually <laughs> like Kyle Lauletta as a quarterback and he's shown well in NFL preseason. But I, you know, you look at their offensive coaching staff, Kirby Wilson was a 29 year NFL veteran as just a running backs coach. And their offensive coordinator was last an offensive coordinator at D3 Juanita College, where his offenses couldn't crack 13 points per game. Uh, and still ran at a 55% clip. So when you talk about establishing it, like this Maulers team is going to live up to the billing. Uh, I doubt even you know losing by double digits, as I project they will against this Tampa Bay Bandits team. I, I doubt they're going to crack a 50% pass rate. I will I will push back a little bit on on the Panthers because similar situation. Jeff Fisher's been out of football for all intents and purposes for the last six years. I don't think he's been sitting on his couch thinking about how he can uh, run an innovative. Uh, offense in this pro style league. And then you look at their offensive coordinator in Eric Marty, uh, a guy whose offense is so good that he has 3999 DVDs available on coach tube. Um, I, I just don't trust this offense a whole lot. He was at Grambling state. His offenses struggled at Grambling state in his one year as offensive coordinator there still didn't get up in terms of pass rate. So I think that this Panthers team is going to be uh, a little bit more run heavy. I would put them kind of uh, just a shade above that rung of, you know, the the gamblers, the the generals and the maulers. But I still think that they're going to struggle to to be effective on offense. Well, that just sounds like we should be taking Stevie Scott the third in our running back spot then, doesn't it? <laughs> it's going to be tough. I'm, these these running backs, I mean, three back 
backfields, I think are going to be pretty much by committee. So I think that we're going to be looking at these backfields that just have two backs available and we can project close to a 50% rush share for, you know, whichever one in the offense looks like it's going to separate. So I'm looking at these teams that just have two backs. I'm not trying to, you know, parse through these three man backfields and figure out which one's going to separate. Justin, how do you think we go about optimally constructing a lineup here? Obviously, there's going to be many different ways to do it, and we don't know any of this information yet, but we're going to be playing this. We should probably try to guess of how this is going to work. Cody had mentioned the complete just onslaught of one team because you can play up to four receivers and a quarterback. Do you want to have like, obviously you want to stack one of the teams. Do you want to have like a bring back on the other side or would you be more comfortable identifying the sort of three, two, three offenses that you like and want to be a bit more pass heavy and just kind of do a QB wide receiver, wide receiver stack for one of them and maybe a wide receiver, wide receiver play on that team, not necessarily the team they're playing against. Yeah, I would say uh, don't force the bring back. I mean, uh, we're really just looking to identify who the right players are, even at this point. As we move through the season, that'll become a bit more important. For now, I think it's simply jamming, (laughs) play the best players, right? Uh, Always a tried and true principle in DFS if you uh, know who the best players are in advance. But I would say don't try to force those bring back situations. Instead, maybe uh, identify, yeah, well, go ahead and maybe set some rules where, where you're getting a lot more receivers than running backs to start with. Uh, those guys in PPR formats are just going to accumulate so many more points. I mean, the, the odds that uh, a running back is super heavily involved, you're really betting on a touchdown there. We're not going to see, you know, an Alvin Kamara situation where a guy is getting, you know, 15 rush attempts and then also another eight targets in the passing game. I just don't really see that panning out, not with this league. Not with the fact that running backs have to last for 10 plus weeks uh, to make it through the end of the season on a super thin roster. So, yeah, I think uh, don't force your bring backs. Try to play as many guys from the same team as possible. Not only does that um, raise your floor, but it also kind of raises your ceiling a bit in this in the situation where that particular team is the one that you really needed. Uh, And then it helps you cover a few more bases. You know, even if you don't get the guy who has the touchdown, well, if you played four guys from the same team, then, you know, probably you landed on the one who did. And I'm not expecting there to be a ton of touchdowns in this league. So, you know, landing on those right guys is going to be super important. How do you think we pick our running back here? You kind of alluded to it. Try to focus down, Cody, on two-man backfields. Hopefully you pick right. But is the running back spot actually just a place to not necessarily punt, but take the cheap end of the split and hope you get lucky? I think you can in some cases. Now, week one is going to be a little bit unique because I, I think this is pretty much a pick em. I'm sure Justin would agree. This is basically their salaries don't exist for week one. I think one of the better running back plays on the slate is like 3,300 uh, in TJ Logan. And he's going to be one of those guys that's, that could separate. The two-man backfields that we're looking at right now are in Tampa Bay with the Bandits. Uh, we have BJ Emmons projected for a good lion's share of the carries there. And then the other one would be with those Maulers, who we think are going to be you know, slightly inefficient, but are going to run quite a bit. They brought in Madre London and also drafted Garrett Groshek. Those are their two running backs. So if we can get a feel on which one of those guys is going to separate in that backfield, I think that that guy is going to be uh, you know, one of the players that we should be targeting to fill that one running back spot. But I'm in full agreement with Justin here that we should most likely be using one running back, especially in these large field tournaments. Uh, and, and maybe in cash, we can kind of identify in one of those flex spots, another running back that feels a little bit safer for their floor. 
But in these large field tournaments where we're chasing big prizes, we want to be on these wide receivers. Any idea of what to do with defense? Just who's whatever's left? Who who are, who are guys not playing? Is this a good time to use like the ETR ownership projections, Cody? I think so. Yeah. If, if there's going to be a single defense that gets out of hand in terms of how often the field is rostering them, then we should steer very clear of that. That's been evident in NFL. Uh, that's been evident in XFL. It's going to be pretty obvious here, too. I will say that looking at quarterback play on the other side uh, is, is going to be a good indicator of a defense that we should roster. But we also want to take our defenses against teams that we project to pass a lot because we want our defenses to have attempts at sacks and strip sacks and, you know, fumble returns for touchdowns and INTs. We don't want to roster our defense against a team that's just going to be running all game because they're not going to have opportunities to rack up points. But, yeah, look at ownership. Uh, try and steer clear of the most chalky defenses. We know ownership is not a good indicator of DraftKings points scored. And then look at teams that are going to be playing against opposing teams that are throwing often so we get chances to rack up those points on the defensive side so from everything that i've processed from the both of you talking about this league talking about the players talking about the coaches the offense and the styles it does appear like this philadelphia new orleans game might be the one to just overload on yeah i would say i agree with that for sure uh, that game features two of the best offenses we're quite sure in the league um no need to super overthink this maybe if you're wanting to get different maybe go a little bit further down the depth chart than you think other people might but i think just construction wise people don't know what to do so by simply just stacking up on that game and maybe seven of or excuse me uh there's only a seven man roster here maybe six of the seven players in your lineup are coming from that one game it's going to make you super exposed there and if that's the one game that ends up going 35 to 28 while all the others, and, and I should probably uh, rethink those common numbers. They're not going to be as big of a deal anymore uh, based on the point after system. But if, if those are, if that's the one game that just went nuclear, then yeah, I, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense and helps you get a lot of pieces. It, it makes it almost where you, you can't miss if you, if you sort of cover all your bases with those two teams. Yeah. Do you think that's probably the move that game and just trying to figure out every different combination there, Cody? We saw this happen a lot with the XFL with the Houston Roughnecks. We, we Justin talked about earlier, it was PJ Walker, it was Cam Phillips, and then it was some other guy, basically. And you could roster that some other guy. And even if he didn't explode, as long as you had PJ Walker and Cam Phillips in your lineup, you probably won. In fact, I think they were the winning combination on four out of the five weeks in the XFL shortened season. So we get that same situation here where it's Brian Scott, one guy and another guy. You can take that poor score from the second guy as long as you get the eruption from the other guy that you roster. I think you're going to see that happen quite a bit in this league, certainly in week one, where if you roster Brian Scott, he's the optimal quarterback, and then he has one you know, wide receiver, one performance from, say, somebody like Devin Gray, but you also roster Brennan Eagles as the second wide receiver, and he only puts up six, you're going to be pretty happy about that. So I'm in full agreement here with Justin in, in this game being kind of the optimal game to stack if you're looking for a game stack, and then finding other rosters to – onslaught this tampa bay bandits team which we also project to be pass heavy pass happy and efficient as well but not necessarily as concerned with bringing it back on the Mahler's side so my brian scott jordan sewell devin gray brennan eagles deandre overton lineups are absolutely going to crush this weekend <laughs> exactly you nailed it i mean lineup construction is done now uh do you think that we need to factor in running backs into these offenses as pass catchers at all cody 
not near as much as I would in, in the NFL with the you know quarterback, running back, wide receiver stacks that we can get away with. I think the running back target shares on the offenses that are going to be pass heavy are going to be minimal because the strength of the rosters on these teams is at the wide receiver position. And for the stars, I think they have a good pass catching tight end as well. So I don't think that the running backs are going to factor in as much in the passing game. Happy to be proven wrong there because I would like to see some pass catching running backs that we can use. Uh, you know, in, in that spot to fill in future weeks. But I think going into this, the strength of these rosters, especially on the past happy teams, are in their wide receiver course. Are you thinking that Philadelphia has a good tight end because you looked at these two guys' names and you're like, oh my God, this is the best name combination <laughs> of any tight end room in history? You can either have Bug Howard for the Philadelphia Stars, or you can have, bear with me on this one, Art Avias Lit. Artavius Lynn is that is that uh, I'm guessing on that one does that sound right you're really close it's Artavius Lynn and those guys might not even be the best names in the tight end room they have a guy that they picked up in pro wells as their (laughs) third tight end so Bug Howard pro wells and Artavius Lynn of those three Bug Howard is definitely the guy that projects as a pass catcher um I highly encourage you guys after you're done watching this show, go stay on YouTube, go check out uh, Philadelphia stars, quarterback, Brian Scott highlights, just Google Brian Scott TSL highlights. He just loves throwing contested catch balls to guys that are massive. And that's evident in this wide receiver room and in this, in this tight end room, because all of these guys are six, four, six, five, six, six. So you're going to see on Sunday, a lot of balls thrown very high in the air for very big individuals to go up and catch them. Uh, Justin, do you agree with Cody about the unders in these games that there still might be room for the under to come in pretty easily in a lot of these games? There could be. I I think probably three out of the four will hit the under. Uh, We just won't know which one the fourth one is. I would lean, you know, obviously that Bandits game as as breaking that. But I I think they're pretty uh, comfy right now. But if you wanted to fire up a little round robin on all four of the unders, uh, I think that could be a pretty pretty decent little bet. Yeah, that's you're, you're reading my mind. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, can I play a round robin where if I get three of the four correct, I'm looking good? Because all four unders together, Cody, at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, pays almost 11 to 1 if it comes through. We saw this happen in the XFL. 41 points was the average score in through five weeks. And I would liken this very similarly in the USFL to the, the, the way things played out in the XFL in terms of quarterback play, uh, coaching competency, level of time together. And then you have to factor in, we're coming into week one. These guys have only had two weeks of like actual training camp together. In fact, Justin's been in Alabama almost as long as these teams have been in Alabama. So we're going to get guys that just haven't played football together and a coaching staff that's trying to install an entire offense, you know, in two weeks. Now, granted, they had some time doing Zoom calls after they were drafted and whatnot, but you're going to get some sloppy play and the football is going to be pretty ugly uh round robin all four of those unders i think there's still a little bit of room obviously there's there's you know at 51 53 55 where they opened at fox bet much much better numbers to take the unders on but i think that these totals should probably be pegged closer to 41 41 and a half so there's you know a hair of margin there if you're looking to to get some action on the totals I think that's the the route that I'm going to take here. I think even in the first game, just to get some get some action down here, maybe go Birmingham money line. We go Birmingham money line to beat the New Jersey Generals under 42 and a half. What the hell does that pay? It pays something. Two times? Two times my money here? No, 
Apparently, it won't let me I'm do guessing. that. <laughs> yeah, that, that should turn your ten dollars into what thirty dollars or something <laughs> like that. That's not bad. Yeah, see, it's not the. Uh, unfortunately, you cannot parlay those two things at DraftKings Sportsbooks. They you can do all the unders, but you can't do the spreads and the totals. I'm sure somewhere will allow you to do these things on USFL if you look hard enough. All right. RunTheSims.com slash Mayo will get you 10% off. That will include all of the USFL game simulations, showdown, lineup creator, lineup generator, optimizer, which you can customize, and the player prop tool. So if we get some player props on the go, then you can run the Sims on each player and see their range of outcomes to find out if it's a good bet or a bad bet, even against the juice that you can put in on any of these. So I highly recommend it. Get that advantage against the field right now. Runthesims.com slash Mayo for that 10% off. So you get 10% off, 99 bucks, you know. It's saving you uh, fire that extra 10 bucks onto a bet for all the unders and turn that into the price of the package itself. Boom. Easy way to do it. Cody, what do you have going on every week at Establish the Run for USFL content? It seems crazy, but we're going to have projections for every player in every game. We'll have ownership projections for the main slate and the, the showdown slates that we talked about earlier. We will have tiered top plays, which will take into, you know, take into account all of the projection related stuff and our feel for uh, comfortability, uh, confidentiality in terms of in terms of the inputs that go into the model and how good we feel about those tiered top plays for how confident we are in those guys. We'll have a weekly live show with me and Levitan and some rotating guests from the ETR crew. And then I'll be in Discord answering questions, uh, letting you guys know where we are in terms of inputs on guys for projections. And then we'll also be updating depth charts. So if there's stuff that happens throughout the season, we'll try and keep that up to date because that's going to be just a big, uh, a valuable resource for us as we try to learn all these players. Sounds pretty good. Justin, runthesims.com. How you say you're going to update these up basically until kickoff with the information that you're finding. Do you think this is going to be a huge edge for us here with you with the binoculars? I sure do hope so. And uh, I mean, I can't beg you enough uh, to please buy a subscription so I can afford some sunscreen for the left side of my face. I have been, I was in the shade when we first started and I've just been getting torched for the last 45 minutes here, Pat. And uh, we desperately need your business over at Run the Sims. But no, it's uh, it's going to be a really good uh a really good product. I mean, this is something we've worked hard at. We've made even some improvements on the simulator since the uh, NFL season. So those are all live. You'll actually be the first people to get to play with it. Uh, for USFL, you can uh, essentially create the types of lineups you want based on construction. It's all really slick. And uh, I think we've made a lot of really good progress. And uh, I, I couldn't be more happy with, with the product and really excited to uh, stick around a little bit later to figure out who the general starting quarterback is going to be. Who knew? Yeah, there we go. And then we can get the updated projections. Boom. And we can start firing off some of these lineups. And once again, it's $100,000 to first place on DraftKings this weekend for USFL. So you may as well take your shot now. Get the tools, get the projections, get the lineup builder, get the simulations. Everything that you need to do it for USFL. RunTheSims.com slash Mayo gets you that 10% off. Cody, I don't know if you saw this uh, while we were talking that Sammy Watkins signed with the Green Bay Packers. Did you notice this? I thought you were going to say Sammy Watkins signed with the Tampa Bay Bandits because that would have been <laughs> a big get for them. <laughs> Is he their number one now? Is he better than Lazard? God, I don't know at this point, man. That that receiving core is just a disaster. What is going on in Green Bay? I feel I dare I say I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. 
I don't know about that, Justin. When, when, <laughs> I, thinking about how you project this stuff out, and you're thinking about target shares amongst all like basically all we got right now. We got Lazard, Tunyon, and now we're gonna throw in Sammy Watkins into this mix. Do you just project Sammy Watkins for like ninety percent of the market share week one because you know that's probably gonna be it for the season? <laughs> I mean that that may be it. Uh, it's going to be really tough to figure out what to do with that. That's a that's a lot to absorb here on the fly. I, I mean, I think I don't think he's better than Alan Lazard at this point in his career, right? I mean, I mean Sammy Watkins looks absolutely slow, um, you know, just completely unreliable. And uh, yeah, I think we're heading into Alan Lazard as a wide receiver one season. That's crazy. All right. Well, Cody, thank you for the time. We might have to hit you up uh, next week after we have a bit more information, you and Justin, to figure this out. But obviously, Justin needs to go you know, stalk Mike Weber to figure out if he's truly number one on the whatever the hell team he plays for the New Jersey Generals depth chart in the backfield. So maybe we can win those sweet, sweet USFL bucks. Who knows? I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME. Smash the like to the episode. Give me your winner of the USFL down in the comment section and make sure to sub to Mayo Media Network and go get your sub to runthesims.com right now to give yourself that advantage. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. I can't believe you're there. (laughs) (laughs) It makes no sense. I think I'm currently getting uh, no-showed by the generals, by the way, which is really pissing me off. Now i got to figure out somewhere else to go. You got got snubbed by the New Jersey generals? (laughs) It it seems that way. I'm just hanging out here at uh, Miles College where they've been practicing, and uh, nobody here today, but – I did get a nice uh, morning practice in with the Philadelphia Stars, so you got a good look behind the curtain there. Got a good read on the tight end situation there, you know? Who's it looking like? Is it your guy, Bud Starr, whatever the hell that guy's name was? Yeah, Bug Howard. He's uh, And he switched to number 11, so we already got a jersey swap situation going here. Uh, Bug oh, Howard man. Looking solid. Pro, when Pro Wells came in, they gave Wells 84, which was uh, Bug's number. And uh, but yeah, Wells is running clearly ahead of Artavius Lynn. Uh, Lynn was funny, like, so yesterday I was at Panthers and uh, they just mixed in bodies constantly quarterback, running back, every it was really hard to get a read. The stars they have very clear units, so to speak, and so um, yeah, it looked like uh, you know, Wells and uh, Howard are almost like co-starters, but different packages, so to speak. But the, mm. our, the other dude's sort of way behind. But Sewell's going to be a beast. He, he's probably going to be a guy I have just an absolute ton of. I love that. Hey, I got to ask you on the Maulers because we have very we're, – we're in agreement. I looked through your projections. We're in agreement on a lot of stuff. But the Maulers, I have I have Groshek for a lion's share of the carries, and you've got Madre London, who I want to give a lion's share of the carries to. Is, is Madre the guy? When I talked to Loletta yesterday – I asked him about the running back situation and a twinkle in his eye lit up when he talked about Madre London. Oh, shit. Uh, he's, he's really excited about it. <laughs> so uh, he's like, Groshek's going to be a part of it too, but uh, Madre is really good, you know? So um, anyway, that I kind of took that as all the indicator as I could uh, hope to have as uh, Madre being the guy. And I, I wrote up a prize picks article today, Pat. I wasn't sure whether I could even plug that on your show. Or oh not. yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, but yeah, we. So I, I, 
prize picks put out USFL lines, and some of them are kind of fishy. So especially the quarterback numbers. Um, Overs or unders? Yeah, that uh, well, a mix. Like they've got like uh, Shea Patterson projected for like ten fantasy points or something, and they've got uh, Clayton Thorson for like twenty-one, and it's like, geez, these uh, should be opposites of each other. So uh, obviously not guaranteed, but yeah, where where can ever where, where can everyone find those? Um, it's written up as a content piece. If you go to runthesims.com slash USFL, uh, it'll be the first thing that pops up. All right. I'll throw that down in the description of the podcast and video. By the way, if people didn't know out there, they can use code MMN at prizepicks.com to get themselves a match deposit of up to $100. That's, I mean, you get, get, you get yourself that hundred bucks and see if we can have a huge advantage. How long do you think, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be this week, next week, or the week after until that prize picks like tool on run the Sims is going to be available for USFL. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully soon. Um, uh, right now, all eyes are on this optimizer, but then uh, we should get into the other one here quickly. All right, cool. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it, fellas. See you. See you later.